0: I want to uh, share a couple of things related to the book of Romans. We've started this study of the book of Romans. And um, I want to continue that a little bit this morning, dig a little deeper. By the way, you may have uh, known somebody um, like the person I'm about to tell you about, an avid golfer who uh, it was basically his life, uh, almost an idol. Uh, And he would lay awake at night really stressing that when his life was over here on earth, he'd be giving up the most beloved thing that he would ever did. Would there be golfing in heaven? That's what he wondered. Of course, one day an angel appeared. Hey, Bob, he said, I got some good news for you and I got some bad news for you. The good news is, there is golfing in heaven. In fact, the good news is even better than that God has designed All the courses in glory. This guy was ecstatic. He couldn't believe it. His prayer had been answered. I mean, this guy was flying high. And he said, but so so what's the bad news? And the angel said, "Um, well, er, um, you tee off tomorrow at (laughs) 1. Now, the book of Romans has good news. But before we get to the good news, you got to hear the bad news first. And the first three chapters of Romans is a lot of the bad news. Um, Take your Bibles in Romans chapter 1. Just want to walk through again a passage that we looked at last week. Paul says here in Romans chapter 1 verse 18 that the wrath of God is revealed. Present tense, that's bad news. The anger of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men that suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, because God has made it evident. For since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes of God, His eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. And so mankind, he says, is without excuse. For even though, verse 21, they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God. They didn't give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools, and verse 23 says, they exchanged, they took the glory of God, and they exchanged that glory of the incorruptible, of the immortal God, for an image in the form of corruptible mortal man, or of birds, or four-footed animals or crawling creatures. To exchange the glory of God for one's self-glory has devastating impact. Now, when we talk about the word glory, we're talking about, the word glory has the idea of the the sum total of of all that God is. In the Old Testament, there was a word used uh, for this word glory, and in its basic essence, its meaning, it conveyed the idea of weightiness, something that was heavy, the weightiness of God. It's the sum total of all His attributes, verse 20, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature, the glory of God. It's the holiness of God on display in all, in the summation of all that He is. And in the Old Testament, when people came face to face with the glory of God, powerful things happen. You never walked away from the glory of God without being changed. For instance, when Solomon was dedicating the temple that he'd built to the Lord, 2 Chronicles says, now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. The, the, The sheer weightiness, the heaviness of all that God is was displayed The priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. All the sons of Israel, seeing the fire come down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and they gave praise to the Lord and they said, truly, truly, the Lord is good. Truly, His loving kindness is everlasting. Brought face to face with the glory of the Lord. We don't know what that would have looked like. It might have been a bright light. It it says the fire showed up. The priest couldn't even enter the place. They were just struck with the incredible power of the holiness of God on display, and they hit the pavement. They were in awe. Truly, He's good. Truly, His mercy is everlasting. Remember Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty, exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple, and seraphim stood above Him, each one having six wings, and with two He covered His face, with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called out to another in this antiphonal singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of the glory of God. Isaiah saw a vision of the glory of God. It was embraced, it was celebrated, but Isaiah also said, Who am I? He had a vision of God. It forever changed him. It changed him. That's what the glory of God does. Now, the bad news here in Romans is that the world has actually exchanged the glory of God for their own self-glory. They've taken the truth of God, the glory of God, and they've replaced it with the glory of things that God has created. This passage is telling us that the number one problem in this world today, and it has always been, the number one problem, the one, number one reason why the world is in a mess it's in is because the world has exchanged the glory of God for self-glory they have rejected they have spurned the, the glory of God God has become persona non grata to the world we don't need you and so Paul continues in that passage in verse 24 he says God therefore gave them over in the lusts of their hearts and to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Verse 26 says, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. And verse 28 says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God, we don't need you. Move over, God. God gave them over to the depraved mind to do the things which are, are not proper. And we saw last week as as God removes himself. You want to act that way? You want to worship something else? All right, and he backs away. And man is now left to run headlong into the malignancy of their own sin, the spiral downward of sin. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie, for the lie of self-worship. The deepest and most serious problem in this world today is that the world does not know or sing how great thou art. All our struggles in life, all our problems, all the unfulfillment struggles of our life, the bitterness, the strife, the lust. (laughs) the discouragement, the anger, on and on and on. All our struggles have at their core root, we've lost sight of the majesty and the glory of God. And that means, and and the passage develops this, gives that whole list that are the results of God giving us over. Verse 28, 29, 30, 31, 32 as God pulls back and His manifestation of His wrath is revealed, the result of that is the degradation, the destruction of mankind. But what that means is that take every sin that you can conceive of, abortion, pornography, sex trafficking, lust of any kind, Anger, hatred, murder, strife. And they're all secondary. You hear me? They're all peripheral to the primary sin, and that is God, we don't need you. Exchanging the glory of God for self glory. A.W. Tozer, the great Christian writer and thinker of the last generation, said that essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of Him. He applies it to the church, but he says no church can long serve the God of truth with an untrue and with a diminished view of who He is. The first step down for any church, or I would say for any person, for any society, is taken when it surrenders its high opinion of God. We do sight of the glory of God. And when God's glory is ignored and rejected, devastating consequences take place. But if that is true, and it is, could not the opposite also be true? If ignoring and spurning and rejecting the glory of God leads to destruction and death, Would not the embracing and and accepting and celebrating the greatness of God lead to His greatest blessing? That's where the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in. That's what Paul is writing about here in Romans. The good news, that's what the gospel means. The good news about Jesus. The gospel is that Jesus has come into this world And he's brought the light of the glory of God to display it. And how did he do it? He took our sin upon himself. And he went and he died on a cross to pay for our sins and he rose again. That's the good news. That's why Paul said in verse 15 of chapter 1, I can't wait to come to Rome to preach the gospel. This good news message, even to the believers, to the church at Rome. Because He said, I'm not ashamed of that message. It is the power of God to rescue. What does this world need? It needs to be rescued. Where does the rescuing take place? When we recapture a sense of the majesty and the greatness of God. And in the gospel, that's where we see it. It's the gospel that tells us of the holiness of God, the righteousness of God. A God is too pure to have sin in His presence. But it also tells us of the grace and the kindness and the mercy of God that sent His Son out of love to pay for those sins. The gospel of of God, the good news of Jesus, tells us of the sovereignty of God who worked all things out according to the counsel of His will. From before the foundations of the world, He laid the plan. The sovereign God laid the plan of loving this world to the death and resurrection of His Son. The gospel tells us of the power of God. To take death and raise Christ again to triumph of life. It's in the gospel that the glory of God shines. It radiates the brilliance of God in a darkened world. And that's what this world needs. And that's what we need. We need a renewed focus of the glory of God. Tozer is right. When we have a diminished view of God, watch out. When we give God the head nod on Sundays and then the rest of the week, it's me. Watch out. When we begin to refocus the lens of our heart on who He is, blessings flow. We grow in our understanding of Him and all of a sudden, transformation takes place. Let me read to you from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord is the Spirit. What is Paul saying here? When we recapture, embrace, celebrate, recapture, refocus on who God is, on the greatness of God, when that becomes central to our life, when we wake up in the morning and we sing how great thou art, not just... A few minutes on a Sunday morning, when we uh, conduct our life with a way that says, "God, you're great; I'm not." Transformation takes place. That's what Paul is saying in that verse. And as we look at the glory of God, and where, do, where does that happen? It happens in His Word. This is where He's revealed Himself. And so we spend time with Him in His Word, and we come to Him and we say, "Lord, reveal, show, show us Your glory." Lord, I don't want to leave this time with you without an understanding of who you are. This is what life consists of. And he shows himself glorious to us. And then Paul said there that when that happens, we're transformed, we're changed, we're transformed into that same image from glory to glory to glory. So as followers of Jesus Christ, he wants to transform us. Why? So that we can live out that for which we've been created to do, give Him glory, but also to live out in the darkness of a world that has exchanged the glory of God for self-glory, who's exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We can live out in compelling ways in this world the glory of God because we're being transformed by that glory. It's showing up in our life. It's being, we're being transformed by it. And we radiate it out into a world that is darkened by this. Let me keep reading in that Second Corinthians passage. Second Corinthians, that's first Corinthians, it should be Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter four verse one says, "Therefore, since we have this ministry, we are, as we receive mercy, we, we don't lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in the craftiness of adulterating the word of God." but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus as Lord, ourselves as your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For God, the one who said, light shall shine out of darkness, he's the very one who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And then he says, and we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Folks, you're looking at a cracked pot. And I'm looking at a whole bunch of cracked pots. Earthen vessels, but if you know Jesus, the glory of God resides within us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God, not from ourselves. Hear the message there? The God of the world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Truth is being suppressed. The glory of God has been exchanged for self-glory. The truth of God has been exchanged for the lie. Self worship, but the gospel of Jesus Christ can shine brightly, and as we're transformed from glory to glory, that glory begins to be radiated out from us. We give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to a world that is darkened and is suppressing that truth, and that's our calling as the body of Christ. And wherever God's glory is revealed, transformation takes place. Wherever God's glory is seen, witnessed, embraced, and celebrated, change happens. Some of you ladies were here Friday night. You heard testimonies of the power of the change of God in a person's life. How beauty is, comes from ashes. That's the power of the glory of the gospel. But here's my concern for, for me, Mark Carey something I want to pass along to you. How am I possibly suppressing that very truth of the glory of God myself? How might I this coming week exchange the glory of God for for self-glory? When I worry, am I not saying, God, I don't no, if you're sovereign enough to handle this, have I not exchanged the glory of God for, for something else, lesser? Fear, doubt, anger, a mistreatment of someone else, not showing His love, not allowing the, the glory of God to be manifested in my life. Am I not saying, in effect, God, move over? I'll take it from here. How am I suppressing the truth of God how do I exchange his glory for my own there's not a week that goes by that as a follower of Jesus Christ we don't struggle with that and so we come afresh to the gospel this is what Paul's doing in the book of Romans I can't wait to come to Rome and tell you about the gospel Because it's the power of God to rescue us. Rescue us from suppressing truth in our life. Rescue us from exchanging God's glory for my own. It's powerful to rescue us. Every day we need to get up and preach ourselves the gospel. To remind ourselves, once I was lost, but now I've been found. Once I was blind, but now I see. And begin anew in the day. How great Thou art! You would do that for me? You've transformed me in my life? You've given me a free gift of eternal life? You've designed the golf courses in heaven? No, that's not in there, but just... And we wake up refreshed in the glory of God all over again, all over again. And Just a moment we're going to hear a personal testimony of someone who understood and walked in the darkness of their own self-worship. And then the light of the glorious God shone through and broke through, transformed a life. Folks, that's what this world needs. You see, the number one problem in this world is we've turned our back on the glory of God. The number one problem in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ, we forget the glory of God. We diminish who God is. Oh, may God give us grace as we study this book of Romans, as we go about our own personal studies of the Lord, as we come face-to-face with this glorious God on a daily basis. We cry out, Oh Lord, show me your glory. And when His glory is revealed, then we cry out, truly, the Lord is good. His loving kindness is forevermore. He saved me. And that's what the gospel tells us. Every second of our days. Let's bow our head. Father, as we continue to worship You, as we continue to lift up our voices in song, or in our giving, or in reflecting in a personal testimony that we're about to hear. Father, I pray that our, our heart will, will be crying out to you, Lord, show me your glory. I don't want to exchange your glory, your perfections for my own, because I have none. I don't, want to, I don't want to miss the truth of who you are to embrace a lie about myself. Father, I want to be transformed glory into glory so that I can radiate that glory to a dark world. Father, thank you for answering those prayers as we cry them out to you. Thank you what you're doing in people's lives, in this church, and churches in this community, in your people, around the world. Your glory is being manifested. Even while your wrath is being revealed as we shine the light of your glory in the midst of the darkness of the manifestation of your wrath may people come to see your love your grace all for your glory this is what we're praying Lord in Jesus name amen
1: good morning one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 145, is a psalm of praise and uh, verse 5 says, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. And I, Mark was talking about the rehearsing the gospel, the wonderful works of God on his glorious splendor. We just throughout the day, we, we think about who God is, who Jesus is and what he's done and how that transforms us uh, as we look into his word. Tony Evans uh, said it this way, when we look to the Lord Jesus through his glorious word, transformation is inevitable. And that's the work that he's doing. Uh, We're told in Romans 28 and 29 that um, that this is something that, that God has planned beforehand, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. And that's the work that he's doing. Well, we have an FBC family here with us this morning, and um, they want to share with you just how God worked in their lives and, uh, and how his transforming power uh, was a reality in, in, through a difficult situation that they, they faced as a family. So we have the Orth family, and this is William. And um, William is the son of Willie and Beth. I've been introducing that that's his parents, but I'm flipping it because I, I don't know why, but that's what it is. Yeah, good. Um, but uh, how long have you guys been coming? We came here in the summer of 1995 and been here ever since. Long time. We Love it. Oh, yeah, great. Well, we're thankful for you guys, and we appreciate your ministry here at FBC. I know William is um, on John Morrison's Biblical Counseling Leadership Team, and Beth serves in Women in the Word, and uh, Willie with the Men's Ministry. So we're, we're thankful and grateful that you guys would come and be willing to share. So thankful. Um, <clears throat> William, how about if you uh, begin and just kind of share a little bit of, of your story? Okay, great.
2: Um, for me, my, uh, my story begins when I was in the fifth grade. Um, I noticed that other boys in the class were developing attractions towards um, the girls, and I was developing attractions towards the boys. Um, Sexuality, and later what I learned was homosexuality, wasn't something that was discussed. Um, We didn't have a focus on identity and sexuality Mm -hmm. in the mid-90s. We didn't talk about it in my family. Um, And so I just um, didn't know anything about it. Um, I felt something inside of me say that uh, this was wrong, this was different. Um, So for about 13 years, um, I repressed those feelings, um, internalized them, tried to work them out on my own, tried to um, pray them out on my own, um, and uh, nothing really seemed to work. Uh, in my mid-twenties, uh, I was attending college, and uh, I began to explore, explore my sexuality. Um, I was attending church here. I was um, serving alongside of you at the time, and um, I was able to, to keep the world separate and um, live, live basically a deceitful life for, for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, ultimately, the, the deceit and the line um, mm-hmm. is what um, brought me to come out to my parents um, and to you mm-hmm. uh, in uh, the spring of 2007. Um, at that time, I, I didn't really know what to do with my sexuality. I didn't know how to, to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I at that time, I chose to, to walk away from God, uh, walk away from the church, and ultimately my family.
1: Mm. And so, I, I, I knew you as, as someone who loved, loved the Lord. Yeah. And so, how else would you say that that impacted your relationship with Him?
2: Um, a rift, a great divide, really. Um, a great divide between me and Christ, um, a great divide between my family. Um, and ultimately, with my faith, yeah. um, I just was out there in no man's land.
1: Mm. Willie, um, as, as dad, um, how did you initially respond to the William's struggle?
3: In the very beginning, we were just shocked and in, in disbelief. We couldn't believe what was happening. Uh, we had a lot of questions. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't know how we could have failed him. Uh, we didn't understand what he'd been through. And as a man and as a father, I'd never experienced that before. So it was very, very confusing.
1: Mm. And uh, it was tough. Yeah. Well, what do you th- What was kind of the main struggles that you had?
3: We didn't understand the situation. We didn't understand the differences.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We didn't understand how this could happen yeah. in our family. We'd been in church all of our lives.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm. Uh, our biggest struggle later on was... Uh, you know, how do we fix him? Hmm.
2: Uh,
3: how do how do we uh, where do we go for help? Who do we talk to? Uh, how do we communicate with him? Uh, communication became very difficult, and uh, in our conversations with him, it was tough to get beyond weather and, and work. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, whenever the family gathered, uh, we, we tried to talk around the, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. It was it was just. Very difficult to communicate because he didn't understand any more than we did. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was. It was just. It was. It was just strained. Uh, yeah. Everything was strained. Um, we felt as if we were isolated and floundering. We didn't know. We didn't know what to do. We didn't have answers. And uh, it just seemed like the the situation in the family was all-consuming. Mm. And just. It just. Was all of our thoughts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Beth, um, what did God teach you to bring you to a place uh, where you were trusting Him through this?
4: Um, I'm kind of an in your face kind of mom, and and he would agree with that. Um, My thoughts were how do I change His mind? Um, How do I turn Him around? You know, um, how do I show Him the error of His ways? And I was even questioning God. My faith was wavering as well as Williams. Um, God, how are you going to make a Romans 8.28 situation out of this mess? And so I was was doubting that because, as Mark has been showing us, I was taking my focus off of God and putting my focus on myself because I was not able to fix him. But God was dealing with me in uh, a very loving way, And he was showing me that you are not your son's Holy Spirit. And it's not your job to correct him or fix him or put his feet back on the right path. Um, He wanted me to take my hands off of William and just to allow God himself, who's the only one that can rescue us, he wanted me to allow him to rescue William. Um, He also wanted me to... Acknowledge in my heart that God himself loved William more than I could possibly love him. It was difficult. Um, We were all on a journey, and this was a journey by God's design. I didn't think that at the beginning, but I know that now. Um, But God was showing us all that we were not alone in the journey.
1: Thanks. Thanks. So William, how, how did God work to restore you to himself? What was he doing?
2: Um, he was doing a lot of little things hmm. um, that I wasn't always aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were little acts of love along um, a five-year path for mm-hmm. me. Um, it was my sister, who's equally as stubborn as my mom, um, okay. making me go to church with her when mm-hmm. I would visit her in Pennsylvania. Um, it was a friend who I thought couldn't love me anymore, um, giving me a hug, yeah. and just saying they're praying for me. It's um, another friend who was uncomfortable with my path, um, answering a phone call and driving up to um, middle of West Virginia and, and helping me pack up after, after a breakup. Mm. Um, it was um, a total stranger who I'd, I'd met at a church picnic um, washing some grass stains out of some jeans that I had worn, um, it was the church body living out Ephesians 4:15, which has really become a life verse for me. Um, by speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all aspects of Him who is the head, even Christ. Uh, I can remember uh, it was the spring of 2012, sitting uh, sitting in a church service and. Um, the pastor was preaching on corporate giving. Hmm. And um, I'd sat down and I'd looked at the, the message title and it was, um, I'm not done yet. And um, I didn't listen to the pastor. It wasn't Mark, so I get a pass. Um, <laughs> and I had a conversation with God and he spoke to me through that title and said, I'm not done with you yet. Hmm. I'm not done with you yet, William. Um, you're still my son. Um, I still have a plan for you, I still love you, I have a purpose for you, and, and I'm here. Hmm. Um, yeah. In that moment, I, I reaccepted Christ, basically, hmm. and said, All right, God, he, He'd broken down the last hmm. of my walls, and hmm. um, I chose in that moment to stop living life for me um, and pursuing my sexuality to live my life for Him and, and pursuing Him.
1: Yeah. So how else did He bring clarity in, in your thinking?
2: Um, you know, like Mark was saying today, the study of Scripture. Um, mm. I, I did a, a Bible study um, through a John Piper series on Romans, ironically, mm. um, with a, a, another believer in this church, and uh, to paraphrase him, the healing of the soul is the restoration of the glory of God to its proper place, our heart. Mm. Um, my heart, when I was walking in my sin, was not directed towards Christ. Um, I had forgotten who He was. I'd forgotten who I was in Him, mm. and through the study and the understanding of that again in my life, um, He was able to bring me back to His glory.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, what encouragement can you give to those who might shy away from individuals who experience this type of struggle or spiritual battle?
2: Um, ultimately, God is, nothing is too big for God. God is bigger than any situation that we have. Yeah. Um, you know, this seemed like the bottom of the barrel for my parents and me, that there was no out. Mm. Um, and, and God did have a plan um, this whole time, mm. and it was uh, essential to his timing. Yeah. Um, he, worked, he worked it all out. Um, for me, as someone who was struggling with sometimes a more, a more open sin, it, it's kind of out there when it's your sexuality, um, I always felt different. From fifth grade, I always mm. felt different, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times I was treated differently. Um, so I think, as believers, showing showing that unconditional love that Christ shows us um, to those struggling and living in homosexuality, mm. um, that w- that would be number one. Yeah. Um, and then condemnation, uh, not con- I'm sorry, not yeah. condemnation. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, Compassion over condemnation.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, those, those would be my key yeah. takeaways. Okay. Right. Thank you. Willie and Beth, um, what hope and encouragement would you like to share with parents, uh, or those with loved ones who might be struggling in this area?
3: Well, we all need to remember that with God, there's always hope. Mm. And uh, we didn't realize that at first, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. there's nothing that's too, too big or t- too hard for him. Mm-hmm. He can handle anything. And, um, we always need to pray and just let him do his work. Um, mm. uh, and he's a great and loving father, so yeah. we, we need to trust him always.
1: Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Willie.
4: Uh, there are lots of little stories for our family through this thing, but uh, one I wanted to share with you was uh, Christmas that we spent together, um, and I'm in the kitchen doing my thing for a meal prep, and William walks into the kitchen and says, Mom, I have a favor I'd like to ask you. I'd like you to do something for me. And I'm like, okay. He said, will you do it? And I said, well, if I can, I will. And he says, I want you to stop praying for me because I know what you're praying. And I remember smiling and saying, son, until my dying breath, I will never stop praying for you. And that would be one of my encouragements to you if you're touched by this and In your immediate family or just somebody in your love circle, never stop praying. Because God is working. When we are praying, God is working. Um, Jesus gave a commandment to his disciples and also to us. In the book of John, he tells us to love one another. He doesn't just leave us there. He tells us how to love one another. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And we know the definition of that is unconditional love. After William's second redemption, which is what I call it, he and I were rebuilding our relationship and having lots of good communication time. And he said to me one day, he said, so mom, there's something I want to tell you. And I'm like, okay. He says, remember when you used to say, I love you, but blah, 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 blah. I love you, but blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, I do. He said, I didn't hear the, I love you, mom. All I heard was the but. All I heard was, but I don't like what you're doing, but you know it's sin, but you know God doesn't like it. I didn't hear the, I love you part. Well, that cut me to my mama's heart all the way to the bottom. And he was right. I did not give him the unconditional love that he needed at that time. I was still trying to fix him. God doesn't say, I love you, but you better get your act together. I love you, but let's just work on some things. He doesn't say that. He says, I love you, period. And that's what he's calling us to do for all of those of uh, around us. I love you, period. Um, if you're here and there's somebody in your circle or in your family that's touched by this, please don't be afraid to to ask for help, there is help for you. Um, We want to come alongside of you. Please don't suffer alone. And remember, as Mark has been teaching us and will continue to, the Father in heaven that we love, loves us and he is a God of redemption. He's a God of reconciliation and he's a God of rescue. And we just need to trust him to do his work.
1: Well, thank you, you guys, for sharing your story. We really appreciate it. <laughs> the Orths wanted to share their story. Um, you know, the idea is we're all broken, and we all um, struggle in different ways, uh, and um, we all have. Weaknesses and 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 so they wanted to share to be able to um, encourage us as a as a body of Christ as a family um, that you're not alone and we um, just want to I know that they have mentioned before that they're willing to talk to anyone who'd want to uh, hear more of the story um, or if you want to share your story and and want to be able to come alongside and encourage you um, because. Uh, it's close to home. They're part. They're part of our family, and we're we're thankful for that. I want to encourage uh, want to encourage you today that if you're here, and you're not sure if if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you, you don't know if Jesus is your savior, if you're confused or you've never put your trust in Him, um, you know, Mark was talking about this idea of suppressing the truth from Romans one eighteen or turning our back on God and, and not wanting to deal with that, I want to encourage you that, that Jesus Christ loves you and that so much so that he died and he rose again. And that if you place your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, he will be your savior and he will be your friend and he will be your God. And uh, <clears throat> so if you're, if you're thinking about that, you know, I, I like to ask the question sometimes when I'm talking to someone about Jesus is, is this. If something were to happen to you today on the way home, and let's say you were to get into a car accident and, and you were to die, and um, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? This is just a short time here. But we are created in the image of God, and when one thing God is, is God lasts forever, and so will we. One of two places, either heaven with him, or hell, separated from him, and so, <clears throat> what are you basing your eternal destiny on? Is it trying to be good enough? Is it hoping that your good um, actions or good deeds would outweigh your bad ones? God doesn't. God doesn't not use. Sorry. God doesn't use that as a standard. The standard is Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life. He is God and he died for us so that we could be have our sins forgiven Um, and and so i just want to encourage you that god loves you john 1 12 in in the gospel of john but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god even to those who believe on his name you can put your trust in christ for who he is he's god and for what he's done his wonderful works He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And you can stake your eternal destiny on that truth, on that reality, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you're a believer here this morning and you you already are a child of God, I want to encourage you on just one thing, and that is whatever struggle you're going through, whatever trial you might be facing, or if you're heading into one, um, begin your thinking and, and your perspective with the gospel, remembering who God is, that God is a God of kindness. He saved us. One of the reasons we're told that he saved us in Ephesians 2.7, I I believe there's lots of reasons he saved us, but one of them is in Ephesians 2.7, it says that he saved us so that we could be on the receiving end of his kindness for all eternity. And everything that he does goes through this filter of kindness, He loves us so much. That's that's gospel truth. Begin your thinking with the gospel, that God is sovereign, that God is actually taking this situation and he's going to work it out for good. What is the good? That he's conforming me into the image of Jesus. He's wanting me to have Christ's character. He's wanting me to have Christ's priorities in my my thinking. But we can trust him and we can look into his word. Uh, I've been kind of going through Psalm 1 recently, and um, uh, I always say that and then, and then I forget it. So don't worry, hang on. Um, our delight should be in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The one who delights in God's law will meditate day and night. What's the result of that? He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. I, I think about that as a, as a child of God. That is, that's something that God wants to do in our lives as we look to his word and as we see Christ in his word. He, he wants to transform us. And whatever he does, he prospers. That is exciting. What does that look like? I have no idea. That's up to God. I can trust him with that. But that, that motivates me. That, that encourages me to be a person who is in his word because there's such benefits to it. For my good, for your good, and for his glory. And, and so we desperately, as his children, need to be in his word because that's where we meet Christ and that's where transformation takes place. So begin every struggle with thinking on the gospel and using that as a filter. Well, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the Orths. Thank you for um, just their humility and willing to, to share their story. We pray that they would be encouraged today. And Lord, for all of us, as we are reminded of uh, our own brokenness, thank you that you are um, near to the brokenhearted and that you save those who are crushed in spirit. And so we, we want to rely on you. We want to run to you. And uh, we, we thank you for the forgiveness we have in Christ. We thank you that you restore us and that you strengthen us and that we can walk by your grace. So we pray that as a church family, as a result of this focus, that we would be stronger in our relationship with Christ, that we would trust you and honor you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.